Hello to our web of weirdos. I want to thank everyone for their patience in waiting on new episodes. Before we start this episode, I'd just like to quickly mention that the following episode deals with content that includes sexual assault, abuse, and violence some viewers may find disturbing. Viewer discretion is advised. In 1990, the internet as we know it was created, an invention of infinite possibilities and unknown potential. There are now over 2 billion websites currently in existence, a wealth of information, functionality, and social media. However, if you dig deeper, there lies more beneath the surface, the strange, bizarre, and dark corners of the net. Welcome to the Weird Wide Web. No, no, no. What's the idea? Like, we're... No, I see them. I see it. There's four red buttons. You don't know what's going on. Um, I said, if we're just, like, kind of bullshit, then, like, oh, yeah, like, yeah, whatever. Oh. Huh? Wait, who's there? Oh, wait. What? Oh, welcome back to the Weird Wide Web. Season two? Question mark? Is it? I don't know. We haven't decided. We thought it was a good idea. Season two. We're Th- back. Yeah. We're back. Long awaited. And we we appreciate everybody's patience for the long wait towards season two, which we definitely didn't decide mere hours ago. Nuh-uh. This is going to be a big one. Big season. <laughs> why would you Why would you set us up for such lofty expectations? We, can, we why just, can't this be a mid-season? We already said it was a season two. We we set that up. All right, that's true. We did set that up. Uh, we appreciate everybody's patience, and we know we've been kind of silent about the break and all that. But we can finally reveal the reason we took so much time uh, throughout all of our episodes. Every all the comments, they're all saying we want more character work. We want more character work. So we spent months on our own dime doing intensive character work workshops. Mm-hmm. And we're going to hit you hard with the characters. Show us what character have you been working on, Niall? Yeah, so I actually went away. Um, some say, I-, I didn't believe them, but said almost an old monastery. Um, it was up in the mountains and... I was in there and, and really trying to find the characters that I, I wanted to work on, and this was the one that just called to me. <clears throat> uh-huh. Oh, it's, it's me. I'm, I'm back for the real web web. stop tickling me. Oh, yeah, oh, no. Oh. Wait, uh, which, uh, the character's name? Who is this? Who's with me? Who am I tickling? It's, Who am I touching? Uh, it's me, uh, Alfredo. <laughs> Alfredo? Yeah, I'm, I'm, some people know my little brother, but he, he, um, they think he's the big star, but I'm just the older drunk brother. <laughs> drunk brother? Yeah, oh, no. Think, do you think, do you think he can be easy? He just says the alphabet. I, 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 I brought him up. That used to bully him and I was, I was so, uh-huh. it's me, Alfredo. I didn't know you guys were Italian of origin. Yeah, but um, I, uh, I don't like talking about ethnicities. <laughs> oh, sorry, I didn't bring, bring up this sore subject. Yeah, it's um, I live, I, I live on um, it's called Poppy Street. It's it's like around the corner from other seeds. But I don't talk about him. Poppy Street? Yeah, it's, you might know the more popular Sesame. <laughs> but I, I live on Poppy. That's fair. That's fair. That, uh, on, a, on a side note, that's a very good elbow. Thank you. Right? <laughs> that's that's super, I, listen, <laughs> I tried to throw you a curveball and you smacked it and hit me in the face. <laughs> Thank you, thank yeah. you. Also, it wasn't Elmo, but that's... Oh, Alfredo, sorry. <laughs> so sorry. Of the... Uh, Elf, Alfredo... Oh, oh uh, 
No, no last name. Okay, <laughs> very good. No. But that, very yeah. Good. So that's I was away uh, working on one one of my many characters. Uh huh. That one spoke to me though. Uh huh. And you'll be going back again. Yeah. Just a bit more workshopping. <laughs> We're back, back into the weird world of the web and the internet, and we just couldn't couldn't stay away. We had to bring you more bizarre shit, and we've got. We've got ourselves a killer episode. Oh, I get it. We're talking about the Amazon review killer. Oh! Yeah. And it's not Jeff Bezos. No, no, no. He's got a much higher body count than this guy. Ooh. Affiliate? (laughs) Yeah, click on your Amazon link. (laughs) Get your Alfredo plushies. So let's dive in to the Amazon review killer. Dun, dun, dun. Across the World Wide Web, one can find millions of product reviews. Every, everyone is eager to rave about their favorite restaurant, pair of shows, or hot new product. Did you just say pair of shows? Yeah. Like a pair of shows that you go to see? Or I think you meant to say pair of shoes. <laughs> Everyone raves about their favorite pair of shows. Yeah. You know. How can one like more than one show at a time? You know, like Dexter and the new Dexter. Yeah, it's your favorite pair of shows. (laughs) Everyone is eager to rave about their favorite restaurant and pair of shows or hot new product. Unfortunately, though, not all is loved. So we find the negative review. Users burned by faulty products. Patrons forced through a terrible meal. Reviews made out of pure spite. With such a surmountable amount of information relayed every day, it would be near impossible to consume every thought on the internet. This makes it the perfect public bulletin board for a true monster to hide in plain sight. To find our killer, we must visit one of the largest companies in the world today, Amazon. Oh, we're visiting? Valued at nearly $1 trillion, Amazon boasts boasts upwards of 300 million users and is growing every day, a user base so large that one could easily slip away unnoticed. And so here's where I thought it would be fun to play a game where I pulled all of this killer's reviews that he wrote on Amazon products and then find a random person's review of that same product and see if you could guess tell, which one. Tell the oh, difference. guess the killer's yeah, 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 review. Yeah, yeah. <gasps> uh, but upon going through, I actually couldn't find any that were like even close oh. to, to being like as obvious as this fucking guy's reviews. But I put in all the work. So I'm still going to go through and make you do it. (laughs) Season two, baby! (laughs) So, this is a review for the Master Padlock 6270KA Stainless Steel Discus Lock. I use them on a Connex shipping container. In steel, they are one tough lock. Being able to re-key is a nice feature. Or, works great. Also. If someone talks back, go old school on them by putting this in a sock and beating them. They will not appreciate the hardened steel like you will. Works great on a shipping container. Number one or number two, which one's our killer? I think think you're messing with me. Uh, Oh, okay. Because they're both... (laughs) Why do they both talk about shipping containers? Who knows? Is this like a lock meant for shipping containers? Because when you first said it, I pictured like a, a, yeah. a lock, like a school locker lock. It's like a, it's one of those round master padlocks. Like a school locker one. Or is kind it like of, bigger? But, but it's not a combo. It's key. It's a key. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. Like then, a storage unit one. No, like you would only use on a shipping container. I get it. Exactly. You don't, you can't, it takes too much, too much swaying in the ocean if you're trying to twist a number yeah there's no shot you're opening not a thing. chance no too much motion in the ocean yeah um that's and- that's the famous quote too much motion <laughs> in the ocean used our master lock 
Um, I'm gonna go with the uh, the sock beating one. Oh, no way! You figured it out. That's our killer, the one who talked about beating somebody with a lock and a sock. How, how many of <laughs> these are there? There's, we've got four of them. <laughs> I might have caught on to uh, kind of his dialogue and tone, but right. uh, we'll see. Next, we've got the master lock. High security, pro series, key to like locks. Am I catching on to something early? I don't want to give away this episode. <laughs> Are there a lot of locks involved? <laughs> uh, maybe. Maybe. First review. Very, very heavy duty. Have been outside in the elements for over a month now. Great product. Love the fact that I have eight locks with 16 keys that are all the same. Review two. Now my locks have locks. Places Hotel California. That's it? This one's tough. Yeah, this This one's one's actually tough. I'm going to do a little detective work here. All right, break it down for me. So the first one. Yep. um, And and I'm going to go past just trying to read you that Uh. you wouldn't possibly do number two and number two in the same one. I did. I did. I not do them in the same. I thought I did them in the same voice. No, no, no. I'm saying like in the order, that like no, like your first review. Uh huh. The second comment or review uh-huh. was the killer. So like, would you give it to me first? like that again? Yeah. You know, you're trying to outlogic the logic. I'm going past. No, I'm saying I'm. I'm not gonna do that. Don't do that. I'm not gonna confuse everyone listening to this right now because I, they have no idea what I just rambled I'm, about. I'm so confused. See, and I'm not because I know which one it is. <laughs> the first one you mentioned, he's happy that he's got 16 locks mm-hmm. and all of them. Eight locks. Eight, oh, 16 so, keys. 16 keys that can unlock them all. Yeah. Which a killer would not be happy about how easily it could be to get an extra key and open up all of those locks. It's an interesting thought. So I'm going to go with. Review number two is the killer. Ooh, two for two. On fire. Hotel California. That also was a dead giveaway. (laughs) This is the Husqvarna 455 Rancher 20H 55 and a half cc two-stroke gas-powered chainsaw. I was going to say chainsaw. (laughs) Living in the country gives plenty of a reason to own a good chainsaw. This fits the bill. Review two. Works excellent. Getting the neighbor to stand still while you chase him with it is hard enough without having an easy-to-use chainsaw. (laughs) (laughs) The way I was setting up myself, like, fucking listening intently. (laughs) I was, like, picturing the first one being, like, Oh, like, oh, there's things in the, the country. I'm like, oh, maybe. <laughs> Getting the neighbor to stand Dude, still. Dude, I searched through pages of reviews. I, it was so hard to find What did anything. you think would be close to that? Like, oh, uh, there is nothing. It's so blatant. It's, I, like, went through every page of the reviews of this, and there's not, even, there's not even one review that's like, whoa, that is a little strange, too. It, no, no. <laughs> okay. Uh, uh, try and guess. Uh, also gonna say, maybe you did all this work, but you got pretty lazy because this is also number two. Yeah, it is. <laughs> I mean, it, it it hits harder when it's number two, doesn't? It? Yeah, totally. <laughs> so does the chainsaw. No. These uh, are, and this is the, just to remind everyone: th- this is a real killer, right? This is a real killer. This is real. This is a real killer that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, so R.I.P. to the victim. That we're now laughing about. No, we're not laughing about the victim. He chased his neighbor. We're laughing about that. No, no, no. He never actually chased his neighbor. This is, he like, we'll get to it, but this is like fantasy play. These reviews and stuff like that. None of these reviews actually speak of his victims. We're not laughing about that. These, this is all like fantasy play play for him, basically. Yeah. All right. We got, we got two more. I'm not even listening to number one now. <laughs> it's like, you, you shouldn't even give me number one. <laughs> the SOG 
Pentagon fixed blade knife. Haven't stabbed anyone yet. Yet. But I am keeping the dream alive, and when I do, it will be with a quality tool like this. Next review. It got stoles out of my mailbox. (laughs) (laughs) R.I.P. So you you can see at this point in my search for reviews, I figured I'm just going to find the funniest fucking (laughs) review I could. Do you have the the names of the reviewers? I don't know. Oh, that would have been great because I want to know where that accent came from. It got stoles <laughs> out of my mailbox. R.I.P. Well, uh, I think in this one you tried to fool me, but uh, I'm gonna go with number one. Shit, I tried to switch them. All right, and our last one, the SOG entrenching tool F08-N. It's basically one of those Shovel? foldable n- shovels. Yeah. Yeah, I thought from like. I just know from uh, Todd. Yeah, exactly. Where all good war knowledge comes. Yeah. All right. Review number one. Keep in the car for when you have to hide the bodies and you have left the full-size shovel at home. Does not come with a midget, which would have been nice. Review number two. Perfect poop shovel. (laughs) (laughs) I really hope this is a... Uh, That's a God's honest review I found, by the way. I was hoping this is like a gotcha. It was like, it was, it was both the killer. The killer did both of those reviews. Perfect poop shovel. <laughs> I wish it was both of them. I would too, too. I, I bet he would probably agree. Yeah. He, he donned himself a pooping man. <laughs> I was like, where is this going? Uh-huh. And with, with that fun, fun game that we got out of the way. Let's Season two is off to a hot start. It's off to a hot start. Let's get in to the Amazon review killer. On March 7th, 1971, Todd Kolep was born in Florida and was instantly thrown into a tumultuous home life. His parents divorced when he was only two years old and his mother remarried another man just a year later. Though he longed to live with his biological father, Todd's mother had retained custody. This want was exacerbated by the fact that Todd had an unhealthy relationship with his stepfather. This could be part of what led to Todd becoming a truly troublesome child. Troubles arose as early as nursery school. Kolop would regularly destroy property and became very aggressive towards other children. Then, due to a temper described as explosive and a mindset preoccupied with sexual content, Todd started counseling at the age of nine. Unfortunately, the counseling seemed to prove barely adequate as Todd's cruelty towards animals increased. These events would lead to Todd spending three years in a Georgia psychiatric hospital. In 1983, Todd finally got his wish, the chance to live with his biological father in Arizona. The change came as a result of Todd's stepfather's divorce from his mother. Along with taking his father's surname, he also picked up his father's hobby of collecting guns and knives and blowing stuff up. Nice. That's that. This is just That's adding what, up. Yeah. About as obvious as those reviews. Yeah. <laughs> Despite supposedly being Todd's ideal life, his relationship with his father soon fell apart. Three years after moving in with his biological father, Todd would elevate his crimes from animal abuse to kidnapping. At just 15 years old, Todd Kolop took a 22 caliber revolver and kidnapped a 14-year-old girl. Wait, how old was he? He was 15. Oh, so a year older. Yeah. Kolop walked her back to his home, tied her up, taped her mouth shut, and proceeded to rape her. Oh. Once satisfied, Todd walked her home and threatened to kill all of her siblings if she told anyone about what happened. Todd was swiftly arrested and charged with kidnapping and sexual assault and committing a dangerous crime against a child. In 1987, Todd pled guilty to the kidnapping charge and was registered as a sex offender. The rest of the charges were dropped. During the court proceedings, Kolep was diagnosed with borderline personality disorder as well as an above-average IQ of 118. Surprisingly, Kolep's lawyer during the trial claimed that he did not believe his client would go on to harm others. At the start of Todd's 14 years in prison, 
he was cited for multiple violations. However, as soon as he entered his 20s, there were no more records of disobedience. Todd used his time in prison to attend college and graduated with a bachelor's degree in computer science. Upon his release, Todd moved to South Carolina and secured a job as a graphic designer for a small company. After two years there, Todd began attending Greenville Technical College in 2003. After only a year, Kolev transferred to the University of South Carolina, Upstate, and graduated with a Bachelor of Science degree in Business Administration Marketing. Unfortunately, before Todd Kolev would get his second bachelor's degree, he would commit his second heinous crime. <clears throat> with a new job and freedom, Todd fancied himself a new cool motorcycle. He found a shop called Superbike Motorsports. That's <laughs> such like a little kid. Who made that? Like, I'm going to grow up and own a place. It's called Kobe Superbike Motorcycles. In Chesney. These will be victims. But anyways. Oh, <laughs> Sorry, bud. Todd visited the shop multiple times until finally purchasing a new motorbike. This purchase may have been premature as Todd Kolab had no idea how to ride a motorcycle. Tail between his legs, Todd returned to the shop to return the bike. He was met with mockery and denial of a refund of a response that would prove disastrous. This is super bike. You don't come back here if you can't ride. Why'd you buy it? Can't ride it. Buy, buy from across the street. That's regular bikes. This is super bikes. Goddamn two bachelor criminal coming up here thinking he can ride it's just a classic south carolina accent you see one every time we did plenty of character work we would know yeah we go to golden corral and just (laughs) watch them eat and boy oh boy do they like themselves some bread oh don't even get me started (laughs) about bread why does every you have to bring up bread niall before this episode (laughs) ate three loaves of bread no it was two and a half it was three no it was three you add that half to the amount of PD you ate, three loaves of bread. Okay. Enough with the bread. I have a big run tomorrow. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, about this guy who's killing people. Yeah, let's go back. On November 6th, Todd Kolev returned to the Superbike Motorsports shop, but did not immediately go in. Instead, Todd sat just outside, waiting and watching. He monitored the customers until only the employees were left inside the building. Then, armed with a pistol, Todd walked into the shop through the mechanic's entrance. He found mechanic Chris Sherbert working and unloaded multiple shots into his body, dropping him instantly. Todd entered the main showroom from the garage, gun drawn. Upon hearing a loud noise, Beverly Guy came out to the main showroom. Todd again fired multiple shots into her body, dropping her. Instantly. Service manager Brian Lucas and owner Scott Ponder desperately scrambled towards the front entrance, realizing the situation. Kolep pursued, firing more rounds at the two men. Brian Lucas was hit multiple times and fell in the doorway. Scott Ponder made it all the way to the parking lot, but was finished off by Kolep there. Todd then fled the scene, leaving a customer to discover the bodies later that day. Mass murder complete. Todd Kolob transferred to the University of South Carolina to finish his second Bachelor of Science degree. While completing this second degree, Todd also achieved his real estate license, no small feat for an ex-con and registered sex offender. Kolob managed this by spinning a tall tale of lies that placed him as the victim of the whole ordeal and massively downplaying the severity of the actual crime. As a result, his claims would go unchecked. Wait, that's why. Like, how do you? Because if you're a sex offender, you gotta like tell people you're a sex offender, like your neighbors, and you'd show up on the registry and got that little red dot above your house. Right. How are you gonna sell people their houses? What do those? Do they have a colored dot well, above it? He didn't have to tell any. Like the only time he had to lie was when he was getting his license. He had to like explain why this was on his record. Yeah. And he downplayed it. I, I forget. I believe what he said was something along the like, I was outside. It was a miscommunication. I exposed myself or something like that. You know, like massively, massively downplaying it. Despite the devious methods Todd used to obtain this license, 
he did see moderate success. Todd created a small real estate firm that employed around a dozen people. Customers of his remembered him being extraordinarily outgoing and professional. They did mention he often talked about firearms and other weapons and made a few sexual innuendos during their conversations. Eh, South Carolina, you know? Yeah, that's fair. Nonetheless, he was also recognized as the top-selling agent in the Carolina region. Following this new success, Todd would purchase 100 acres of land in 2014, which he quickly fenced in at the cost of $80,000. Yeah, that would be a lot. How far do you think that is? It's 100 acres worth. How, how far is an acre? Um, I don't know, like, a, like half a tree branch. <laughs> <laughs> that is nothing that I was expecting to come out of your fucking mouth. Uh, $4 million. 356,000 square feet is the area. Damn. So he would have had to fence that. And he did it for $80,000. 4 million square feet? Is that? Or is that all the feet in the square? That's, that's, the, entire, that's the entire area. Well, we, you so, don't yeah. put a fence so inside the area. You, what, you'd square or you'd divide, square it? I don't know, dude. Not I was square, in dumb uh, math. What's square root? What's a square root? No, I'm saying like you would square root it then. Because it's to get area, you multiply the two sides. Okay. That gets yeah. you everything in between. Uh-huh. So now we have the number for everything in between. But we don't want a fence gotta, there. We got to square root it. <laughs> or divide it? Subtract it. See, my arithmetic. See, um, if you, you get the square area, the square area square in the area. middle, and, but you don't want a fence there. So if you subtract that from the outside, that gives you the fence length. And, and um, put a pie on top. Uh, the, the posts around. So, a plot of land that would serve. To <laughs> Just made our audience dumber. <laughs> Maybe we'll, season three will go to math camp. Yeah. A, a plot. <laughs> you know, it would be a great name for uh, math camp. Uh, like an online math camp. Yeah. Arithmetic talk. <laughs> Arithmetic talk? Yeah. Sure. I like it. Don't give it away so easily. Season two coming in hot, baby. You want a business idea while you get a great story? Boom! Season two. Arithmetic talk. Yeah. YouTube social studies. <laughs> no. What? We stop after the first one. Oh. Cut it. Cut it, Jared. A plot of land that would serve to facilitate his sadistic nature. Only a year after purchasing the property. Todd would claim two more victims. Johnny Coxie and Megan McCraw Coxie were a troubled couple who struggled with drugs that would, unfortunately, result in their child's seizure. I realized reading that, that's confusing. The child didn't have a seizure. I, the, yeah, child, yeah. the child was taken away. That's what I was confused because we watched the movie Dog last night and there's seizures in that. The child seizures? No. Yeah. Adult seizures. But also a dog. Not no, but the dog do- seizures. No, the dog in the seizure in the way you're trying to use seizure, like as in they took the dog. Yeah, because the people had seizures. Well, no, but that did that did happen, but that wasn't the reason. You're not allowed to have a dog if you have seizures. No, that's fucked. That up. no, I, I oftentimes the opposite because they're the service dog that can help it puts, in those times. That's what I thought. Yeah, yeah, but no, this was separate. Why? I don't want to give away the movie, but D- spoiled. Is it a documentary? No, it Channing Tatum. I think it's based on a a true story. Who go watch Dog? It's our sponsor. Really coming at you with clear cut (laughs) fucking conversations. (laughs) The the two had just been released from jail when they crossed paths with Todd Colab. Todd painted himself as someone just wanting to help the two out and exchange numbers. He explained he had an assortment of odd jobs on his property for the two. Down on their luck, they happily accepted and were picked up by Todd a few days later. Wait, so he's just like this friendly neighbor guy who says he needs some help yeah. around the house? Mm-hmm. And he ends he's up like, I'll give killer. you a job. They're like, you know, just got out of jail, struggling with drugs. And he's like, hey, I got some work for you. You want to make some money? I've, where have we heard of this before where it's like friendly neighborhood guy asks like a neighbor about maybe helping out? Neighbor ends up being like a, a, a kid. 
I feel like I heard a story about it, but it was it happened a bit ago, right? Yeah, a little maybe while maybe like seventies. No, Pro- um, when was Nixon? And then no, before JFK. No, after that. Uh, right. Winston Churchill. Um, got the eye. Huh. Um, uh, it wasn't the eighties, was it? It could have been. Huh. Like the winter? No, no, no. I'm feeling hot, hot, hot. I think it was the summer of 84. Coming in hot. Yeah. Season two, baby. Mackie (laughs) Kate Mayslayer. (laughs) But kind of very similar. He he was a friendly neighborhood guy. Totally was. Totally was. Yeah, yeah. Friendly neighborhood guy. Todd brought them to his plot of land and led them deep into the property where the supposed work was to be done. Details of the Coxie couple's ultimate demise become murky from this point on. The only information comes from Todd during a police interrogation. Whether the word of a narcissistic psychopath can be trusted comes into question, so the following account should be taken with a grain of salt. Todd explains that Johnny pulled a knife on him once they were deep in the property. A knife police never recovered. Todd pulled out his pistol and fired two shots into Johnny's chest. Johnny fell forward, and Todd explained he had put one more in his spine just to be safe. As horrible as Johnny's end was, it was nothing compared to the horror that Megan would soon endure. Todd turned his attention to her, trying to figure out what to do with her. Finally, he commanded her to sit down and quickly cuffed her. He describes just leaving her there next to Johnny's lifeless body, bleeding for a long time. Todd then went about moving and burying Johnny's body on his land. Having completed that, he moved Megan into his storage container and tied her up there. He describes this process as rather inconvenient, because this was meant to be his storage for his guns and food. Todd explained that after a few days of holding Megan, devised a plan to go their separate ways. He offered her to drive her to Nashville, give her $4,000, and that would be it. Todd disgustingly describes that she was so excited by the prospect she gave him a blowjob. Unfortunately, though, as Colep describes it, the weather got bad. So, on Christmas Day, Todd walked Megan out of her storage container prison and shot her in the head. Todd buried her on his property next to Johnny, and the couple's disappearance would remain unsolved for years. A friend of Megan would later reveal that she had met Todd at the diner the two worked. The friend recalls that Todd would frequently visit the restaurant to eat. He would often act creepy towards the female waitresses. It became such a problem that the chef would come out and take his order when Todd came in. Details that further solidify the true monster Todd Kolev was. A year later, Caleb Brown and Charles Carver would find themselves in the same horrifying situation as Megan and Johnny Coxey. The couple had just moved in and were looking to make some additional money to help with their new living situation. Kayla had met Todd through an ex some time back and figured he would have some work for them. He did. So Todd enlisted Kayla's help cleaning the houses he was trying to sell. It was an ideal situation for the couple, and, as luck would have it, Todd mentioned that he had a job for the both of them. He explained that he needed to clear some brush on his property. The two agreed and drove to Kolob's property. Todd walked the two deep into the property to a garage he had, a garage situated next to a large shipping container. More shipping containers. The same one. With a padlock on it? Not yet. Todd instructed the couple to wait outside as he needed to grab something from inside. Todd returned to the couple. Then, without warning, Bang! Todd shot Charlie three times. Kayla was frozen with immense fear and put up no fight when Todd walked over and handcuffed her. He then walked her inside to the shipping container where Todd proceeded to chain her up by the neck, hands, and feet. This is when Kayla Brown's nightmare truly began. 
Unlike the Coxie couple, Todd was not dealing with people that would easily disappear. Friends and family soon noticed something was wrong as the pair had not been seen, would not answer calls or texts, and wouldn't respond to the notes left on their houses or Kayla's car. Is that, that, that was there? When, when is this? This was 2016 when she and her boyfriend are, when she's kidnapped and her boyfriend's killed. 2016. I was just wondering, because you said as one of the methods of communications they tried was leaving notes and getting responses on their house. Yeah, they would, like, leave notes at their house. And, like, hope for a response in a note. Like, it's fucking Boo Radley's tree. No, they weren't expecting that they would respond by note. They were leaving notes because their phone, they weren't answering their phones. I just think there's there's got to be better ways to try and get in contact with what? someone. It, well... Funny enough, we'll get into that. Oh! In his infinite wisdom, Todd took to impersonating them on their Facebook pages to throw them off his scent. However, his improvisation proved only to increase the investigation into their disappearance. Why did he change their relationship status? It's complicated. It's complicated. <laughs> After days of no communication, Charlie suddenly posted to his Facebook. He announced that he and Kayla had bought a house, were expecting a child, and getting married! The comments quickly flooded in with friends and family asking where the real Kayla and Charlie were. Nobody was buying the ploy. Not to mention, Charlie's page also sported weird posts about digging holes and sword fighting. (laughs) That's so bad. Charlie's page was filled with strange memes about people saying hello, minding one's own business, and the song, Hotel California. Clearly, Todd was less concerned about covering his tracks and more interested in provoking the couple's friends and family for his sick pleasure. While police, friends, and family desperately searched for the couple, Kayla was stuck in a waking nightmare. The majority of time was spent chained inside the shipping container. Todd provided her with a small amount of food and water, water to clean herself, and the privilege to go to the bathroom once a day. Every day from 1 to 3 p.m. and 5 to 7 p.m., Todd would come and take her to the small garage on the property. In this garage, Kayla was forced to perform sexual acts on Todd. Escape was out of the question, and the more time passed, the more likely Kayla would meet the same end as Megan. Though, soon, the police obtained a warrant for Kayla's Facebook account. Searching through her Facebook, they discovered her conversations with Todd about the job. There was now no shadow of a doubt that the couple had never left the property of Todd Colap. On November 3rd, police formed two units to search the property, stall Todd, question him, and eventually arrest him. Police found Todd at his residence and began questioning him under the guise of helping their efforts. Todd's enormous ego is shown through the body cam footage as he answers all their questions with an inherent smugness. Meanwhile, the second team begins raiding Todd's remote property. They discover the shipping container and immediately start cutting the five locks standing between them and rescuing rescuing Kayla Brown. Finally, they found a malnourished, exhausted Kayla Brown chained in three places at the back of the container. As they freed her, Kayla recounts the events without hesitation as as if she had been reciting these for days. With Kayla now in the safety of the local PD, Todd Kolep was swiftly taken into custody. And I am going to show you that footage of her being rescued. Oh, we got the body cam footage? Yeah. Oh, that's sick. Watch out. Y'all move. I got it. Watch out. Hey, Joey. Joey! Sheriff's Office! Sheriff's Office! What? Back up there, buddy. Are you okay? Grab what? Go. Do you have any weapons? Coming through, okay? What's your name? What's your name? Right here. Lauren. Lauren. Okay. Alright. Just a bar
Just a girl, just a girl. Just How are you, honey? This we're is bolt this, cutters. This is our best. Oh, yeah. He's a paramedic. Oh, yeah. Okay, we're going to get you out of there, okay? Just hang loose for me. Anybody got a, I need a handcuff key. Handcuff key. I don't have I got it right here. Hold up. Y'all slide back. Hold on. He's, He's got, got a light. We got to let you take pictures. Randy, let, okay. let me see your light, Randy. You can, you can put your hand down, sweetheart. You're okay. We're here, okay? Y'all sit back. Light on or off? You're fine. We'll get the rest of it here. Let's get her out of here. Okay. We're getting bolt cutters, honey. Don't, don't. You got pictures of the cuffs? No, hold on. Bolt cutters. Is both feet? Just one. Let me it's see. Attached to a chain from okay. the wall, okay. and my neck's attached to the wall up here. Okay. All right. All right, we're going to get you out from here, okay? You got a handcuff, kid. I got another one. I'm going to my car. I got another one. I'm going to get my car. I don't want to do that, but don't Bolt cutter. Just hit, hit the chain right there. Loose. Hold it up. Yeah. Just no, just right there at her hand, Brandon. We'll, we'll get it off. We'll get it off here. Cut it right here. Do you know where your buddy is? Charlie? Yes. He shot him. He shot him? He shot Who him. did? Who Todd Colehep shot Charlie Carver three times in the chest, wrapped him in a blue tarp, put him in the bucket of the tractor, locked me down here, and I never seen him again. Okay. He says he's dead and buried. He says there's several bodies dead and buried out here, and okay. he says that the dogs will be ruined if they go looking because there's red pepper. We're going to step you out, sweet dog, because there's what? Red pepper. Okay. Okay. Tell the dog people that. No. He says there's no. pepper everywhere. So that's her rescue video. And I know we're only one one episode into our season two but i'd like to make an amendment uh i'm sorry for doubting you on the uh accents of south carolina i hadn't watched that video in a second and it's right up there pretty spot on uh but you yes you did mention something while we were watching it um yeah don't really look like cops i'm pretty sure two of those dudes were in cargo shorts yeah tactical cargo shorts they were like polos yeah like they were probably playing golf and they got called in oh shit container Container needs to cut it. You got five locks. You got a lady in there. I get that lady out. Hotel California. Hey, sweetheart. Hey, sweetheart. Uh, but yeah, isn't that great? like it seems rehearsed? She seems like she played that in her head. Yeah, like the exact what she. Yeah, Taco Lub shot Charlie Cox three times in the chest. Put him in a blue tarp and put him in the. It's like crazy. Yeah, it's also crazy to see because it's like oddly normal. Like uh. I don't I don't mean the situation's normal at all, but like seeing it on video and seeing like the real footage of it is like obviously you've seen the movies and even when you think about these, you're saving someone's life from like this killer when the killer's like, I don't know, a couple hundred feet away. Yeah. And they're just like in like we said, like cargo shorts, like trying to like almost struggling a little with the bolt cutters just to open it. And then they're like casually walking in and she's like laying in the back, yeah, chained up. Just like wild that that's it was just on someone's property totally yeah and nobody knew and there's even there's body cam footage of while wow, they're stalling him too and they point to one instance i believe as they're kind of like throwing out questions oh we're doing this investigation on these two couples like do you know them we like have heard you of like met in passing and stuff like that and at one point todd I believe Todd refers to Charlie in the past tense. But yeah, and, the, and then they get the call. And they're like, all right, you're under the arrest for the murder of Charlie Cox and the kidnapping of Kayla Brown. And he goes, and he's like, what? And he goes, we, ha like, we saved her. We freed her. We have her. You're, you're being arrested. And he gets, just gets silent. Then it gets really, really interesting. And you can watch his entire police investigation. Oh, like his initial questioning his initial questioning and he has such a big fucking ego that he's like kind of bragging about his i'll talk about it further but he, he's kind of bragging about his crimes and stuff like that when he's telling the police officers about the like motorbike shooting and stuff like that he's like oh y'all would have been like impressed of how tactical i was i didn't waste a shot you know, stuff like that. And he's like really chummy, chummy with the cops. But, and, and they play into it because he's giving them information, yeah. you know. Uh, 
but that, yeah yeah that's also so the questioning too just now that we brought it up mm-hmm. which is to an extent uh an annoying part of our justice system but they they're allowed to lie about like anything they have to just try and get them to talk oh yeah so it makes sense that they would just like kind of feed into his ego but that's just that sidebar it's yeah there's a lot of fantasies going on in his head i mean he certainly did kill some people but there's a lot of fantasies like even the motorbike shooting we really only have his word there was a shooting at that time at that motorbikes at that motorbike shop but no physical evidence has ever been linked to todd Kolev. it's just his word saying like oh yeah i did that whatever uh, i'm going away i did that here's how i did it. so like isis kind of just taking, taking claim for yeah, stuff yeah, yeah. yeah exactly exactly so you're saying todd Kolev is isis is isis pretty mm. i don't know who's less effective i think we solved it todd Kolev is isis we got him boys we got him while riding in the ambulance from Todd's property, Kayla would reveal more about her horrifying situation. She went into detail about the sexual abuse she received, stating that while he never forced himself on her, Todd made it very clear why she was there, and if she was no longer useful, he would put a bullet in her head. Kayla also went on to explain Colep's twisted fantasy. Todd told her once Stockholm Syndrome set in, he would build her a soundproof room in his main house. Todd bragged to Kayla that he was a serial killer and would soon teach her how to kill and become his killing partner. Todd also claimed that he used to kill for the government, which Colip lazily fabricated to boost his ego. Now in custody, the police began interviewing Colip. This was when the bodies of Johnny and Megan Coxey were discovered. Todd would also admit to the shooting at the motorcycle shop, a case that remain, had remained unsolved for 13 years. Throughout the interview, Todd is incredibly cocky and crude and shows little to no remorse for any of his acts. He mainly uses this platform to boast about his money, weapons, and other things. However, he also seems to relish in the story of the cruel deeds he committed displaying bursts of frustration when the interviewers would interrupt him or hurry him along. Todd seems almost... Wait, sorry, what? Like, when, you know... Like he when would, he's trying to talk? Yeah, when they would ask him about, like, like the killing of, so of the Coxies, and they're like... And he's, he's not letting them talk? No, no, no. They're, like... They would start asking him about, like, the Coxies he killed, uh, like that uh, couple, and then he's just like, he's like cutting in, in and not letting them talk, no, and no, no. like getting he really frustrated. Be, he would be embellishing the story and stuff like that, and they'd be like, "But where are the bodies?" And he'd be like, "You could see him like, so I brought them." You know, he's like, he would get frustrated that they were just trying to get information. God, oh yeah, yeah. So not what I was just doing to you. <laughs> Did you not get that at all? <laughs> funny because i was getting very frustrated that you <laughs> no, wouldn't let me explain I, like, oh. I was like just let me if you let me talk if you let me explain i could tell you why you're misunderstanding i know where the bodies are <laughs> uh touche todd seems almost comfortable the whole time possibly a tactic used by interviewers to obtain as much information as possible through two court proceedings, Todd Kolep ended up being found guilty of seven counts of murder, one count of kidnapping, and one count of sexual assault. He is now serving seven consecutive life sentences without parole, plus 60 years. Kayla Brown was awarded $6 million, and the families of the Arizona Motorbike Massacre filed a wrongful death suit against Todd. Later, from prison, he opened up to his mother that this wasn't even a fraction of the victims he claimed. This claim has never been verified, and Todd hasn't given investigators anything to support the claims. Due to a domestic abuse charge and a mysterious death of a partner many years down the road, Kayla Brown has become the focal point of a few conspiracy theories. 
Some claim that Kayla knew more than she was letting on, or maybe was even more involved. None of these claims have any shred of proof, simply mere speculation. Realistically, Kayla Brown is probably just trying to readjust to normal society after living through a horrifying nightmare. So she, her, she's someone she was with died? Yeah. And it's still unsolved. But people, pe- like, it's more misfortunate rather than, like, not even the cops really, like, nobody, it's just people online that are like, oh, her, a, a partner died and she got, like, some ab- domestic abuse charges because she doesn't know how to function in society because she went through a traumatic experience? Yeah. That's like Must saying, be a killer. Yeah. It's like saying Hope Solo is, like, a, a terrible, like, aunt or mother or whatever. Like she went through some shit, all right? Yeah. She couldn't save that one PK and fuck the team. And then she abused some people. Well. That doesn't mean she's a killer. She just got drunk and passed out in a Walmart parking lot. It's not her fault. Is that true? Did she get drunk and pass out in a Walmart parking oh, lot? Oh, th- those were her most recent charges, if you're not up to date on those. Oh, I'm not up to date on the Hope Solo. Pretty recent. Solo Cup saga. They, uh, yeah. So she, like, uh, got more, um, I think, child endangerment charges because she, like, was drunk and, and passed out in a in her car in like a Walmart parking lot with uh like a child in the backseat. Damn dude, that's so sad. And we just talked about a zero killer and that's fucking sad. <laughs> yeah, that's shit sad. Uh also just one question. Yeah. Kinda because the whole episode is about uh him being an Amazon review killer. Yeah. Uh was that just to play that fun game <laughs> or like where did those reviews come in? Uh, I, he left the, he made those reviews when he was killing people. Oh. Yeah. Thought that was going to get weaved in there somehow. <laughs> no, it just kind of happened at the same time. So I was like, oh, shit. Listen, we dude, we got to fucking make this, we got to draw we this connect into, connected to the internet in some fucking fashion. Yeah. No, I, no, I, he's pretty connected to the internet because he goes on this. He went on that whole escapade on, on their Facebook yeah. accounts. It's so weird. He just makes so many posts about like people should mind their own fucking business. You know, if I there there's gunshot noises on my property, it's not your problem. Yeah, no, no. I think, and it's also very interesting to see because we've seen this before, and I think a couple episodes where people who are doing nefarious things then pretend to be their victims mm-hmm. to, like, um, throw off the sass a little longer. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. With the internet's first serial killer. Yes. Yeah, but it, like I said before, it's his it starts to skew way less from, like, actually trying to hide his trail and more just, like, there's that ego coming in, just kind of like, <laughs> I'll make this dumb fucking post about, Mining your own business and sword fighting. That's what it is. But even now, there's been like interviews of him within jail, and they'll be like, you know, I hope you're okay. Kind of like to talk about, you know, the murder charges and stuff like that. And I'll be like, well, which murder charges do you want to talk about? You know, the ones they got me for, the ones that I did, and stuff like that. And it's just like he builds up this big kind of persona in his head he's a contract killer for the government and he's a serial killer and he wants to get his his kill numbers in the triple digits and it's like he did some terrible fucking things but i i think he's way less efficient than he likes to yeah perceive himself that makes sense yeah i wonder how many that could be like an interesting documentary or something or even like a short series like um because, you know, there's so many people in prison for other mm. different reasons or, or whatever that claim they have done so much shit to, like, see, like, talk about them. Like, even lifers, like, find lifers in prison who literally have nothing to lose that are talking about all this shit and then try and discover, like, if they actually did that. Like, uh, like cross-reference their stories with unsolved cases and stuff like that yeah but even maybe then not just murders i mean obviously murders would be the big one yeah like maybe it's just other things to see how much they're bullshitting about 
I, I, I just like love... fact check their whole life. How many bank robbers we got in? Oh, bank robberies would I'd be love a to good be, one. Yeah, like there's a missing sum of money. Yeah. And they tell the story of how like they stole it. D.B. Cooper. Yeah, he's not in jail. He's gone. Yeah, but he, yeah, we'll try and find him for an interview. Yeah, we'll try and get D.B. Cooper. D.B. Cooper, episode... No, 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 no. no. They don't get it right now. <laughs> Maybe in season three. Oh. You guys stick around and we'll get D.B. Cooper in season three. We'll get him. We'll interview him on a plane. Let's just find some guy named like Devin Booker Cooper. Devin Booker Cooper. <laughs> the famous Devin Booker Cooper. <laughs> He's dating like a Jenner or something, right? <laughs> yeah. The one without exactly. a wiener. You know Brody. Brody Gunner. Brody Gunner. Um, but yeah, that's the Amazon review killer. Wow. Very interesting. Um, Got to be honest, when you first said that, I thought mm. it was going to be like someone who created a product and mm. was like killing all the people who left bad reviews of their product. Yeah. Not going to lie. That would have been more interesting. That would have been great. Like the half star killer. Yeah. Every, not every, but like when I stumbled upon this topic, they all pretty much do exactly what I do what we're going to do on this episode and label it as the Amazon review killer. And I clicked on it and I said, Oh fuck, gonna be a good one. And everyone starts out with <laughs> reviews. It's like, Oh, okay. So he like talked about killing people on Amazon reviews and then did kill people. Yeah. But in fact, unrelated, <laughs> they're not related at all. That's true. But, but still pretty, I, it's a pretty fascinating story. And like, amazing that she made it out of that and she was like key to him getting arrested and yeah. stuff like that it could yeah. have gone very very bad yeah and at that point if she didn't survive evidence would have been tough totally to, to link and he might still be out there yeah instead he's behind bars gotcha fucker leaving reviews in prison <laughs> I don't think he has the internet well, he can just write notes and leave them on a door. But don't talk to parents. They couldn't contact their phones. I get it, but still, like, dude, leaving, like, I'm sure you go up to the house. You think, like, leaving a note is really going to do it? I How get you're you in, like, the worst situation out. of your life, and you're not thinking that clearly, but, like, you want to make a cup and string and fucking leave it? Like, I don't mind. I left one note for you. I don't know why you're making such a big deal about it. <laughs> just saying. <laughs> I know I could have just texted you. I thought it was whimsical. <laughs> a post-it? Really? Yeah. It blew off. <laughs> oh, man. Well, that's it. We're back. Yes. Season two, episode 14. Ooh. We're just going to keep the, the episodes going? I think. Is that confusing? No, I like it. Because I, I want a total count. We'll have, season yeah. two, we'll have episode an- yeah, 14. Yeah. Chapter one. <gasps> Part. A. Title. Non-disclosure. Agreement. But that's been the Weird Wide Web. We never introduced ourselves. <laughs> I'm <laughs> Yale. <laughs> Niall. This is Niall. We've been your hosts of the Weird Wide Web, taking you through the weird, the devastating, the horrific sides of the internet. Excited to be back in another great season. We've got a lot of good topics lined up for you guys. A lot of long ones, a lot of short ones. A lot of deep ones, a lot of shallow ones. In the shallow. And this has been the Weird Wide Web. And we always love hearing from you. And if you want to hear topics that we should talk about, you can reach out to us at weirdwidewebpod at gmail.com. You can find us on Instagram at weirdwidewebpod. And you can tweet us at weirdwidewebpod. At twitter.com. That's not right. I don't know. We're not very good at Twitter. Elon. But... Elon. Just just tag Elon and, and you'll find us. <laughs> but you can also find us on YouTube if you like consuming podcasts in that medium at Weird Wide Web Pod. And we'd love to hear from you. And we can't wait for you to hear the next episode. Thanks for joining me. We'll see you next time.